expecting to see the body of Christ. But if you remember that when they got to the tomb, the tomb was empty. And you remember that Peter and John bent down and looked inside the tomb to see what was going on. And scripture says that the linen cloths that Jesus had been wrapped in was laying there on the slab of concrete where his body had laid. The cloths were there, but there was no Jesus. You also remember from that text that it says that the cloth that had covered Jesus's face and his head was not laying there with the linen cloths that had wrapped his body, but the cloth or the napkin that had covered his face and his head was neatly folded and placed on the side by itself. Now, Bible scholars say that that is significant, especially for the days that they lived in, because they said that if a person was eating a meal and at a banquet or something, if they were finished with their meal, they would take the napkin and crumble it up and drop it into the plate. But if they were not finished their meal, they would take the napkin and neatly fold it and put it on the side. And the waiter would know that that was a sign I'm coming back. I'm coming back. So when Jesus' napkin that had covered his face was laying on the side, Bible scholars said that that was a, a symbol to us that one day he is coming back. Amen. Now, I like that imagery. I, I, you know, I really don't know what it was all about, but I like that idea. Because that shows me that if Jesus took the time to fold that net, which he did because scripture says it was folded. When Jesus took the time to fold that napkin and lay it on the side, it showed me that Jesus is deliberate in everything that he does. Amen. He doesn't do anything by chance. I want you to understand that that shows me that when Jesus did this, it means that he always thought ahead. He never just lived in the moment. You know how people talk about today I'm going to live in the moment. You know, I'm not going to think about the consequences. I'm not going to think about if this happens or that happens. I'm going to live for the moment. Well, I, I want you to know that as a Christian, that is not the way that any of us should live. Especially because our Lord didn't live for the moment. He always thought ahead, and he always planned ahead. I want you to even think about the scripture text that we just read. In uh, Acts 1, the verse 4, when Jesus said to them, to his disciples, he says, I'm getting ready to go away. I'm getting ready to go back to heaven to be with my father. But I, I'm not just thinking about today. I'm not just thinking about you today. I'm thinking about your future. So what I need you to do, do since I'm going away, I need you to make sure that you don't leave Jerusalem. 
You stay in Jerusalem until the promise of the gift that God has for you has been manifested, has been given unto you. And he says, if you stay in Jerusalem until that time, the gift that God has planned for you, that you will receive that gift. And it says, you shall receive power. You gotta, I need you to put your spiritual hats on. I need you to think about what I'm saying. He's saying, I'm getting ready to go away. I'm not going to be here any longer. But I want you to know that I'm still going to be here with you, even though you can't visually see me. I want you to know that even though I'm not still here, that God is still going to be here with you. And how is God still going to be here with you? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, you wait for me and you shall receive power. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, you got you to gotta think about this. You have to understand that Jesus is getting ready to go back to heaven. So physically, he's not going to be here. But just like any parent, if any parent is going to go away for any length of time, they're going to make sure that another person of authority Another person of power is there to watch over and take care of their family while they're gone. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is, is saying, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you helpless. And I don't know if there's anything that's going to get you in this sermon this morning, but if that doesn't get you in this sermon, I don't know what will. He says, I'm not going to leave you on your own. You're not going to have to try to live this Christian life by yourself. You're not going to have to try to battle the, the attacks of the enemy by yourself. You're not going to have to try to go through the problems of life on your own. He says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send the third person of the Trinity we got the Father, the Son, and I'm going to send, we talked about that Thursday, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that will provide for you. You say, Pastor, why was that necessary? I want you to understand this, my brothers and sisters in Christ. If Jesus left this earth and left the disciples and his followers just like they were, they would have failed. Amen. Amen. I mean, they were a motley crew. Peter had denied him. Thomas didn't believe that he was raised from the dead. When he had that fish dinner that we talked about last week, scripture says there was only seven of the disciples. Where was the other, other four? Amen. So these were ordinary, everyday people. But God is saying, I know that you now say you have a believing faith in me. I know that you believe that Jesus has risen from the dead, but that is not going to be enough to be able to get you through what life is going to bring. Amen. You can't believe it with your head. You got to receive it in your heart. You say, Pastor, I don't understand what you're talking about. Turn in your Bibles to John 3. We're going to look at verse 6 through 8. 
Jesus is letting them know in your strength, in your power, you cannot live the victorious Christian life. There has to be a change that takes place inside of you. Amen. Amen? Amen. John 3, verse 6 through 8. You have it. Speak to me, Lord. I don't have the page numbers up here. 862. Everybody got it? Okay. Watch this. Flesh gives birth to flesh. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? That means human beings give birth to other human beings. Nor, you know, flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives birth to the Spirit. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? When everybody is born into this world, they are born spiritually dead. Everybody that is born into this world is born spiritually dead. What does that mean? Spiritual death is separation from God. Do you understand that? Okay, so it says the spirit is the only one that can give birth to your book, to, can give you a born again spirit. Amen. You, you get, you're born of the flesh first, but the spirit is going to be the one that gives you a new birth on the inside. Remember, you say, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear the sound thereof, but you don't know where it comes from. So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. So you may not understand how the Spirit moves and blows inside of you, but the Holy Spirit has to come inside of you and do a transformation in order for you to be born again. Jesus is telling his disciples, I cannot leave you here on this earth in the same way that I found you. Mm -hmm. I cannot, if I expect for you, angel, if I expect for you, Tay, I expect for you, Cherie, for y'all, Desiree, if I expect you to live the Christian life, mm -hmm. I cannot leave you in the same way that I found you. Amen. Do you understand? Look at Acts, now turn in your Bibles to Acts 2, verse 38. Acts 2, verse 38. Okay, remember, Jesus is going back to be with the Father. He is saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit because there's got to be a metamorphosis that takes place inside of you. There's got to be a metamorphosis in, inside of you. Amen? Everybody have the page? Anybody don't have it? Okay, speak to me, Lord. Acts 2, verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. I tell you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that is one of the most exciting things that you will ever read in the Bible. God is telling us how we can have the third person of the Trinity, the third person, the third Godhead living inside of us. What is the first thing that God says you got to do? God said in order for you to be born again, 
In order for you to be changed from the inside out, the first thing you got to do is you got to repent. You got to repent. My brothers and sisters in Christ, there is no salvation apart from repentance. Repentance means if you're walking in this direction, you got to turn around and go the other direction. You cannot keep walking the same way that you were walking and say that you have repented of your sin. Do you understand that? Does anybody not understand that? It says you got to repent, okay? But not only that, God is saying here that he will give you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come inside of you, okay? And he will give you a brand new birth after you have repented. You cannot be saved and not have repented of your sins. That's all there is to it. Repentance, you got to believe. It says to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and all of this. But if you try to say, well, I believe in Jesus and I trust it, but you ha- are you still walking in your sin, you have not done what God has called you to do. Amen. Do you understand that? Amen. You got to have a change of life. You got to have a change of mind. You got to have a metamorphosis. Have you ever seen a, a, a caterpillar and it does a cocoon and all this other kind of stuff and the caterpillar is all squirmy and nasty looking because they are, but when they come out of the cocoon, they come out as a beautiful uh, butterfly. God said that's what has to happen with us. A metamorphosis has to take place. So the first thing that we have to do is we have to be repentant of our sins and then God says, He will empower us to live the Christian life, okay? He will empower you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you have got to know that you cannot live the Christian life in your own power. I've been talking about this in Bible study class. I've been talking about this since I've known you all. But when people keep walking around talking about how they're struggling, trying to live the Christian life, it is because they have not yet allowed the Holy Spirit to have control of your life. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit will do. And the first thing the scripture shows us that the Holy Spirit will do is that he will come in you and he will give you a brand new life. He will change you from the inside out. Okay, now one thing the Lord just dropped in my spirit that I need to change, share with you is sometimes people say, well, I've been saved and I asked God to come in my life and so forth, but I don't feel any different. I feel the same way that I did before. Your salvation is, Ed and I talk about on Bible study all the time, your salvation is not based on how you feel. Your salvation is based on your faith. So when you give your life to Christ and you ask him to come in and Satan tries to come and say, you're not really saved, you, you haven't did this, you haven't, God, you tell him, I'm not saved based on what I feel. I'm saved based on what the word of God says. And this is what I stand on. Amen? Amen. Okay, so the first thing that we see that the Holy Spirit does is he will come inside of us and give us the new birth. It is through the power of of the Holy Spirit, that you are born again. Do you understand that? Jesus is going back to heaven. He cannot leave them the way he found them. 
So he is letting them know and he's letting us know you gotta be born again. You've gotta have the Holy Spirit inside of you to empower you to live the Christian life. Amen? Amen. What is the next thing that the Holy Spirit will do for you? The next thing the Holy Spirit will do for you is in Romans 8, 26, and we're just going to do A. Right now we're going to do A. Romans 8, 26. We're going to be doing a series on the Holy Spirit because I'm, I, I'm afraid or I'm just concerned that so many people have very little knowledge of the Holy Spirit. They think the Holy Spirit is something to just make them get up and jump around and dance and have hallelujah and all of, all of that. But the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. He is just as much God as God the Father is God. He is as much God as God the Son is God. So we've got to know that the Holy Spirit has a job to do, but we've got to make sure that we allow him to do what he is set into this world to do. Romans 8, verse 26a. You have it. Speak to my speak to me, Lord. 917. Everybody have it? In the whole, in the same way, now watch this. In the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now I'm going to say it again. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Where was the hallelujah? Where was the praise? Where was the, the Holy Spirit will help you in your way. Notice it does not say that the Holy Spirit will help you when you're weak. It doesn't say he'll help you when you're weak. It says the Holy Spirit will help you in your weakness. When you're living in your weakness. When you're living between a rock and a hard place. When you don't know which way to go. When you are struggling with this and you're struggling with that. And you might be struggling with this addiction. And you might be struggling with this uh, relationship. And you might be struggling financially. You can be <coughs> struggling in any area, but God said, I have given you the Holy Spirit to help you in the midst of your weakness. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't know what that does for you, but that not only blows my mind, but that makes me excited. Because I know that when I first gave my life to Christ, there were so many areas that I was weak in. There were so many things that I was living in and doing that were not conducive to the word of God. And I had a heart's desire to serve the Lord. But I was like Paul when we, we looked at Paul in Romans 7 in Bible study one day this week when Paul says, the good things that I want to do, I don't do. And the bad things that I don't want to do, that's what I'm going to do. And Paul kept saying, I'm in a, a cycle. I'm in a vicious circle. What is going to help me? How am I going to get out of this area of weakness where I continue to do wrong when all I want to do is right? And God gave him the revelation, wisdom, and knowledge. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus has already done this 
in your life. He has already given you the victory. You just got to learn to live in it. Amen. He's already given you the victory. He says, I thank God. This is what Paul said when he was going to, I thank God that it's been done through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What are you struggling with? What are you, what relationship are you struggling Say, Father, I, you've already done it. I just need to learn to believe it. I just need to learn to stand on it. The Holy Spirit will help you in your weakness. You know, when I thought about that, I thought about the scripture. Remember when Paul went to Jesus and he said to him, Lord, there's a thorn in my flesh. And I, no matter how much I keep fighting against this thing, I keep being defeated. And scripture says that he went to God three times and prayed to God three times the same prayer. Lord, deliver me. I'm tired of being weak. I'm tired of having this thorn in my flesh. We don't know what the thorn was. Some people say it was sickness and disease. Some people say it was, you know, all kind of stuff. I don't know what his thorn in the flesh was, but it was something that was just keeping him between a rock and a hard place. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what God's answer was when he went to him three times with that same prayer? Do you remember what God's prayer answer was? What was it, Adrian? My strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made, God is talking about his strength. My strength is revealed in your life when you are weak and you finally come to the revelation, wisdom, and knowledge that your weakness will lead you to trust and almighty God from whom you will get the power for the deliverance. Amen. So we got, we got the, you got to tie those two scriptures together. The Holy Spirit will help you in your weakness. And then he says, my strength is made perfect. The word perfect means mature, mature. You'll come to the place where you come to the revelation, wisdom, and knowledge that you're fighting a battle that you don't have to fight crystal. You're, you're fighting a battle angel that you don't, God has already given you the victory in it. Learn to stand, Katrina, in the victory that God says already belongs to you. I, look at the front of your bulletin. I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ, God says, I've given you the victory. Learn to stand. Oh, hallelujah. Learn to stand on that victory. Amen. So we know that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will give us a new life. He will create a new Joanne in the spiritual realm. You, I'll be born again. But after I'm saved... I'm walking around in this world, y'all. There's all kind of things going on in this world. There's all kind of temptations and all kind of trials and all kind of problems. But and God says, I've given you the Holy Spirit. Don't think when he led you to salvation, when he saved you, that he just left you by yourself. 
He says, I will not leave you by yourself. I will not leave you to handle your problems on your own. Okay, I will allow the Holy Spirit to help you when you're in the midst, not after the problem is over. He said, I'm going to help you in the middle of it. Not after the problem has been solved. I'm going to handle. I'm going to help you in the middle of it. Okay. Then God says, "Okay, now I'm showing you the Holy Spirit will help you in your weakness. What else am I going to show you? You still should have your Bibles open. Romans eight twenty six. We're getting ready to wind it up. I'm just not going to be a long sermon because I want you to re- remember these three points of what the Holy Spirit will do for you. Amen. Romans eight twenty six. B is in boy. That means the latter part of the verse. That means the latter. We got somebody ringing. Okay, can we? Okay, very good. No, who's ringing? Okay, Romans eight twenty six B. Look at this. We do not know <laughs> what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself. I want you to notice. It says the spirit himself. It doesn't say the spirit itself. I get so frustrated when I hear people referring to the Holy Spirit as an it. Oh, it did this and it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit has a thinking mind and, and, you know, personality. The Holy Spirit is God just like Jesus is God. Okay. The Holy Spirit, when we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that cannot even be expressed. Look at verse 27. And he, look at this, he who searches our heart, God searches your heart, y'all. When you're in need, when you are in pain, when you are, have a God, searches your heart. Look at what, and he knows the mind of the spirit. So that's showing the father, the son, and Jesus, all of them working together because the spirit intercedes for who? For the saints in accordance with God's will. You got to notice something here. You got to notice something here before we talk about him praying for us. It says he intercedes for who? For the saints. He intercedes for the saints. Oh, that's thick. What do you mean the saints? That's not me. A saint is somebody that's perfect and never does anything. He intercedes for the saints. That means he's only interceding for a certain group of people. He's not interceding. That's not true. What the Holy Spirit does, the third thing he does, I think I got four things, is he changes your classification. Before you are saved, you are classified in the eyes of God as a sinner. Sinner saved by grace, right? That's your classification. But as soon as you're saved, God changes your classification from sinner to saint. That doesn't mean you've reached perfection. That means that now in the sight of God, God sees you holy. He sees you as sanctified. He sees you as someone who has been set aside for his use. He sees you as a saint. 
That's another reason I, I love studying the word of God because if people walk around all the time, especially older people, and I'm among the older ones, but I, I don't do this, but they'll say, oh, I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. As long as you keep calling yourself a sinner, that's exactly what you're going to do. Amen. 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 As long as you keep calling yourself, that's why God doesn't call us sinners after we're saved. But he knows what we do. He says, you're clever. Angel and Tay are engaged. Amen. Right? When they stand before the preacher, both of them will be single in their classification, in their status, right? Mm -hmm. But as soon as they say the words, I do, their classification changes mm -hmm. from sinner, I mean, from single to married. Amen. They don't look any different. They're not any taller, any shorter. They're not any skinner. They are the same people, but their classification has changed. Do you see that? No longer when you check on the sheet, when they say single or married, no longer will you check single, you'll check married. Because your classification changed. I need you to get this. God changed your classification, Cherie, from sinner to saint. Because he says the more you hear that you are a saint in the sight of God, the more you will want to live a holy and a righteous life. Amen. Do you understand that? Yes. Okay, so the Holy Spirit, okay, Scripture says that he will pray for us. When we don't know how to pray. Is that what it says? He'll intercede. Intercede means he's praying on your behalf because you're at a loss for words. Have you ever been before God and you were hurting so bad? I'm not talking about physical hurting and that's bad too. But I'm talking you were mentally so uptight you you couldn't even form the words in your mind of what to ask God for or what to say to God or or maybe you were feeling so guilty because you did this that or the other you just you couldn't get it in the words God says Shadira I've given you the Holy Spirit and when you get to the place that you don't know how to pray for yourself God says the Holy Spirit will pray through you and for you and sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't even use words. Sometimes he just allows you to moan. Sometimes you lay before God and you just groan and you just moan. And God says, I know your thoughts because I can, I've already searched your mind. Look what this scripture says the Holy Spirit does. It says he intercedes for us in accordance with God's will. Mm. He prays for us in accordance to God's will. He prays for us in accordance with God's will. He prays for us what is the will of God for our life. Oftentimes we don't know what the will is, right? 
Often we don't know, Lord God, what you want me to do. You don't know. We don't know what direction to take, blah, blah, blah. It's that the Holy Spirit who searches your heart. He knows what's inside of your heart. He knows what's going on in your mind. But the Holy Spirit will search you. And then he will say, okay, this is what she stands in need of. And I know God wants to do X, Y, Z. But the way that God wants to do it is not quite lining up with the way that she wants to do it. So I'm going to have to adjust some circumstances. I'm going to have to make some changes here and there because when I pray for her, I'm going to pray for her the way that God, that the situation will be in accordance to God's will and not in accordance with hers or his. The Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. There's four things. I'll give them to you and we're going home. The first thing the Holy Spirit does is he that you are born again through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're saved through the power of the Holy Spirit. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does is that it says he will, um, in our weaknesses, how did he put it? Uh, He is, oh, that helps us. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Okay, what is the third thing that the Holy Spirit does for us? He Pardon me? He had, that's the fourth one. The third one is he changes our classification. Where we're no longer labeled as sinners. When you leave this place, I want you to know that God calls you a saint. Amen. He says you, don't be telling, don't, I'm a sinner. No, I was a sinner. That's what I used to be. Yeah. But God says now I'm a saint. And the fourth thing he does for us is he intercedes on our behalf. Amen. Amen. Do you thank God for the Holy Spirit? I thank God. And I ask you to come back next week and you'll learn more about what the Holy Spirit will do in and through us. And this is just so important. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus. Lord God, we just thank you. Thank you for this series. I don't know everything that you're going to teach us, but I thank you for what you have taught us today. Lord God, it is just so important. Jesus said, I'm going back. I'm going back to be with my daddy. But you stay here in Jerusalem because daddy said he's going to send you a gift. So you don't have to work for it. You don't have to work for your salvation. You don't have to work for it. You just wait and allow the Holy Spirit. Lord God, I just thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you. I love you, Lord. The wonderful name of Jesus, our soul says, amen. All heads bowed and all eyes closed. I ask you just to allow this final song.